My name is Cheris, and I think I have cancer. I invite you to take this journey with me as I figure it out, real time and out loud. How I wish I had my phone with me and I could have talked to you while I was cooking and doing dishes tonight. I had so much to say. I'll try to remember it. But it's 1 a.m. I have to work tomorrow. I'm tired. So I'll just share the highlights. And I also wanted to tell you something really encouraging from today. So, what I was thinking about in the kitchen is, oh, some of it was so funny. I made dinner and I took it in front of the TV. Well, actually, the um, the computer I was streaming online. This really good show. I love it. I think you're going to love it. It is not at all kid-friendly. And it's not at all kosher, but it's gritty, and I love it. I loved it before I even was in this situation, and it's called This Life. It's by CBC. It may only be available online to Canadians, but maybe you can buy it somewhere. Anyway, the protagonist, Natalie, has cancer, and it's dysfunctional family and their families have every dysfunction possible that's why it's um, not child friendly it's pretty gritty and it's over the top like how can one immediate family have all the social sins and graces it's you know it's um, unbelievable in that way but that we all have dysfunctional families and that cancer hits really hard everybody in different ways while they're still dealing with life from before cancer well that rings true and it might be nice for you to forget your own family's dysfunction and just escape for a while watching someone else's anyway while I was watching this life and eating dinner and supposed to go turn off the stove after 10 minutes because the beans were still cooking, I completely forgot about it. And after the episode was done and I walked back towards the kitchen, that burning smell hit me in the hall. And I ran, oh no! I left it on for 45 minutes. It had burned dry. And it was that smoky, you know, that really burned smoky smell when something is like on the verge of your fire alarm going off and you're afraid even on fire. Needless to say, I, uh, I ruined dinner for tomorrow. Anyway, I rescued it, I opened all the windows, I caught it before the fire alarm went off, 
I was picking through those beans and I'm going, life is short and I have no idea how short mine is. I am allowed to throw out all these beans, darn it. I am allowed, I give you the freedom to throw out the beans or the salad in a bag that's half gone. You know what? You don't have to pick it out. You can just compost the whole thing. It's okay now. Especially if you have cancer or you're caring for someone with cancer. It's okay now. You don't have to save every morsel of food. You can prioritize your time. And I couldn't do it. I picked out the beans and I even, you know, cut some in half that I thought could be saved. I am insane about saving everything and not wasting anything. But they're not wasted. They're going to be composted. They're going to become food again. So I'm trying to give myself permission to neglect a few of the small things. I didn't thoroughly wash my recycling container tonight, and I forgive myself. But if you're not dealing with life, please wash them. People have to go through that. Don't make it gross. And maybe I should buy canned beans for this next phase. And maybe if the vinegar I boiled in it didn't help tomorrow, I should throw that pan out. I can just buy a new one. Be kind to yourself. Spend your time on the important things. Spend your time with the important people. And be gentle with each other. But I want to tell you about what happened after dinner. I got a text from a man that I met in the Dominican Republic in January. I only saw him twice. He was the shopkeeper at the shop where I found the the cheese grater instrument. Guida, I think it's called. Anyway, I was shopping for a guida for my friend. And so I had my eye on that one. And then I came back to buy it and some type of a jewelry gift for another friend. And after that, after some pretty hard negotiating, and I was really pleased, and I bought two pairs of earrings and a necklace, I I was talking to the man, you know, where are you from, where's your family, etc. I found out he was from Haiti, and then we started talking, because I was interested in how did he get here, was he impacted by the earthquake, um, does his family live here, and then, um, because he speaks Creole, I could speak French with him, which is much better than my Spanish. Then I said, oh wait, the sun's setting, it was my last day there, he was uh, near the beach, so I said, 
Let me go and take a picture on the beach. Do you want to come? So we talked for ten minutes. We had a nice talk. And now we're WhatsApp friends. Anyway, I was trying to connect him with organizations, charities in Haiti because he told me his sister is there, she has mental illness, and he's trying to support her three kids because she can't work. So, I mean, he's a stranger, and I, I don't know him. I'm not sure of his backstory, but I really liked him, and I'd love to help if I can. So, I gave him advice and connected him to some people I found who worked there. And I actually work for an organization who works there, but I don't know that office. I don't know the field staff. So I pointed him to that organization's office, and I said some prayers, and we exchanged a few messages. Anyway, he wrote me today to say his daughter is sick, and he's a distraught because he can't find money to send her to the hospital. And before I responded, I wanted to think and pray and ask my friend, Karin, who is also from Haiti, but I met her in the Dominican Republic, about health care, about hospitals, about what her advice would be. Um, I've had some really bad experiences helping people I met on the street in Africa. One, I adopted as a foster son, even though I only met him four times. I was just so touched by his story, and he seemed so sincere, and that he was doing his best to pick himself up and make a livelihood, and even help other street kids, and he helped me a lot getting stories from the field from street kids helped me a lot and he was working with them with the street ministry and he seemed so sincere so I sponsored him for a year I rented him an apartment I gave him a food allowance I introduced him to a local missionary and she helped him find a trade school that he could apply to because he was a street kid. He was in and out of school. He was living in an orphanage. He never got his high school diploma. So he wasn't eligible for any other schools. Anyway, we found one that he was interested in and he could apply to and I paid his tuition. It was a lot of money. And I found out a year later that he'd lied to me. He didn't even get accepted in that school and he didn't even enroll in it. When I kept asking him how classes were going, he was being evasive. He was saying, Things like he was teaching kids outside of class, and he was, you know, this uh, tutoring others, and 
He was pretending that he was going to school. I don't know what he did to the money, but he was getting into trouble. With roommates, he stole his roommate's phone. He got kicked out. He got all kinds of trouble. And my friend was, she was actually an angel. She became his closer foster mother. And she looked out for him a lot. And he kept getting into trouble. And they finally learned that he had lied. He pilfered that money. And he was cheating and stealing. And then he tried to extort me with a huge tale that scared me so much. I actually sent the police out looking for him. And my friend out looking for him. I'm so naive and gullible. And I got really badly burned. Now, I have compassion for him. He had no life skills. He had no family. His family kicked him out. It was so bad in his family that he left at four and walked to Kampala from the north. The troubles in Gulu. And his only skill is survival. And he's good at it. And he has good phases when he's stable in the orphanage and making recycled tire shoes and sporting himself and and dreaming about doing something meaningful with his life. And he has lots of really bad days when he's scamming, conniving, surviving, and wasting the opportunities that I gave him. So I'm afraid to give strangers money. Yeah, I've been burned before. So I called Karen to ask her what health care and hospital care and costs might be in Haiti. Because on the other hand, I live in Canada. I have a job and my money goes way further. So it may be that a little gift for me can go a long way for him. So I also want to help. And I think I have to be aware of my generosity and I have to make sure that I keep open and generous. That's my part of the deal. And others' part is to be honest, trustworthy, not to scam. Not everyone's going to hold up their bargain. But it doesn't mean that I should become jaded and unkind and ungenerous. Especially when I follow Jesus. Look how Jesus was so generous to us. He didn't withhold anything from us, even his life. And he told us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and taught us that the neighbor is the one near us who is in need. Well, near these days can be around the world because of telecommunications. So I'm also pulled 
because of my faith. But the wonderful thing that Godin did for me, I talked to her maybe 20 or 30 minutes. How are you? And she's studying to be a nurse. Has healthcare down there? How much could it be? We speak in French. She actually, she speaks Creole and quite good French. And right now she's studying in the DR, so her daily language is Spanish. So sometimes we have to repeat things and and we get along just fine. But today, when we finished talking about Lionel, I said, hey, pray for me. Because she's a Christian. And I told her, I might have cancer. Well, do you know what she did? She said, oh, I will pray and I will fast. Will you fast with me? I said, yes, you would do that for me? You must love me. This woman, oh, we spent a weekend together just like sisters. It was wonderful. I went away for a weekend to just see another part of the DR. I was staying with my missionary friends in Sasua for a month. And I wanted to spend that weekend enjoying another part of the DR and just relaxing for two nights. And I stayed in an Airbnb of your uncle. And when she was there, and we discovered we had a common language. At first, I had English. She had Spanish. We we had to do sign language. We could basically say, um, como esta? Bien. No hablo espanol. We were done. But then when we found we had French, oh, we talked for like the whole rest of the weekend. And she is so sweet. And when I was praying on the beach, she came and prayed with me. Yes, and then we were teasing her uncle. It wasn't a Christian. Oh, we're praying for you. And his wife is praying for you. And, oh, we just had a great time. Anyway, this dear woman, who I only met once, is going to pray and fast for me tomorrow. That encouraged me so much. Dear God, please answer our prayers. I am still praying. In the name of Jesus, Heal these tumors, these cells, these lumps in my body. You made my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me in the secret place when as yet I hadn't been born. You know how to heal my body. If you want, you can make me healed. Dear God, I hope you want. Thank you for getting in. Thank you for her faithfulness to pray for me. A very new friend, a very distant friend. 
Thank you for her faith that you listen to our prayers. Thank you for her love that makes her fast for me. We're fasting from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Your fast doesn't have to be 24 hours. It can be, depending on your needs, your, your strength. You can fast a meal. You can do a juice fast. You can do a water fast. We're doing a water fast. Muslims even do fasting from water. Sunrise and sunset throughout the month of Ramadan. So, you really want to focus on prayer and use a very ancient spiritual practice. You might want to try fasting. It's actually not that hard. It's scarier than it is hard. It's much easier, I find, than I expect. And let the hunger remind you to pray. And that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And God made you and loves you. He loves you so much, He died for you. When you die, I pray that he will gently guide you over the threshold into peace, into wellness. I have to tell you the story about how Jesus guided my mother over that threshold. It was amazing. I was there. I felt it. I think she saw it. She could definitely see something I couldn't see. It was not just peaceful. It was joyful. If you don't know God yet, why don't you ask him to reveal himself to you? I think he really enjoys answering that prayer. He answered it for me. And it's giving me just an untold source of peace as I go through facing my own mortality, scary illness. I would not want to do this alone. You're not alone. Even if you and Jesus haven't properly been introduced yet, He's still with you. 
and your angel is still before the Father, and your angel is praying for you. I encourage you to pray too, and I hope you get the comfort and the strength and the peace from it that I do. I've had my struggles too, long ones and big ones. Maybe I'll tell you about them another day. But today, I'm so encouraged someone so far away loves me enough to fast for me tomorrow. I'm going to fast with her. And God will hear our prayers. <laughs>